0: The Critical Care PRN is dedicated to fostering the role of critical care pharmacists as essential members of the multidisciplinary patient care team. The Critical Care PRN's goal is to optimize drug therapy outcomes by promoting excellence and innovation in clinical pharmacy practice, research, and education. For more information, including how to become a member, go to critprn.accp.com. Again, that website is critprn.accp.com. Welcome to Pharmacy to Dose, the Critical Care Podcast, a partner of the ACCP Critical Care PRN and a member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. And I'm your host, Nick Peters. And wherever you are and whoever you are listening, thank you. Now, it is Wednesday, May 17th, and I'm recording this one day after the Emergency Medicine Pharmacotherapy with Resuscitation Conference, also known as Empower RX 23. Now, what an absolutely awesome conference. I'm going to get into all the reasons why I love it and then talk about the day itself a little later. Uh, but up first, I was able to talk to Jimmy Pruitt, founder of the conference along with many, many other things. We talk about everything from how did this come to be? What was the most challenging aspect? What were changes from last year to this year? What was it like working with so many influential EM pharmacists? And then, of course, um, shouting out so many of the individuals behind the scenes, making sure that this conference could happen, because that's that's the one you know big takeaway is that it may have started with one person's idea, but it took way more than one to fully execute this. Um, And if you were at the conference, you know, Jimmy literally had 30 minutes at lunch where he was a quote unquote free and he used 20 of those minutes to join the pod. So very grateful for his time and, and, you know, all he does in the pharmacy and emergency medicine world, of course. Um, now Two reminders. So starting Monday, May 22nd, you'll go to the Pharmacy to Dose Twitter, Instagram page. So at Pharmacy to Dose, um, and you will be voting on which articles to discuss in the April literature review series in the pharmacist featured front of the fridge section. So say you were published in April, you know, a colleague who was, you just love a specific article, right? This is the chance to have it showcased, right? Articles from April 2023. Uh, The other thing, right? The first annual Pharmacy to Dose Award Show. Uh, I hope you've been thinking of nominees. You'll be able to submit nominations starting June 1st. Biggest thing I can tell you, no CV needed. Wait, did he just say that? An award where you don't need a CV? Yep, I certainly did. You'll still get a chance to say why they are deserving, of course, don't worry. um, But a little more relaxed than some of the other uh, much more aggressive and complicated awards. Um, We're finalizing categories, so can't spoil those just yet. But let's talk about trophies. So the winners will get custom WWE title belts as the trophy. That's exactly right. Like your favorite sports teams get when they win the title. You can display it proudly. Maybe what's it's a particularly good day, you can wear it on your shoulder, even your waist. I mean, it's something fun, it's something different, and it's free. So what is there to lose? So again, nominations will begin June 1st. Um, it's been a great time down here in Austin for the Empower RX conference. So let's talk about it. And very, very lucky to be joined by, um, well, one of many things, right? But the big reason why he is here is the uh, creator, founder, chair of the emergency medicine. Pharmacotherapy with Resuscitation Conference or Empower RX23. Now, of course, that's that's not all he does. You probably know him from his awesome podcast Farm So Hard. He also does the Pack U series for learning, and then uh, he also just has a, a classic side gig of being a full time emergency medicine pharmacist at Atrium Health Carolina's Medical Center. And it's Jimmy Pruitt. Jimmy, thanks so much for coming on, man. I appreciate you. Hey,
1: absolutely, I'm ha- happy to be on and just ex- excited for everything we have going on right now.
0: Yeah it's an, actual, it's an absolute blast, and um, you know, I love doing the conference recaps. We're down here in Austin, and I really wanted to talk to you, kind of get some details right. We, Megan Rhett came on and highlighted some of the content that went in, right? why people should register, but we're here. So one thing I wanted to ask you for those who don't follow right at Farm So Hard and but one of the things that he had tweeted was like it all started with a text. It started with a message. So Jimmy, how did, you, how did that text? get from there to where we are here, literally in the JW Marriott Conference Center as we speak.
1: Yeah, man, it, it was, it's a great story, and it's something that I'm, I'm really excited about. And it's great to have the people around. So I would say that that text message, the, the, end, the end result of that led to some very talented people, and those people helped us put it together because I've never done a conference before. I've never done any of these things. I'm just yeah. behind that just said, hey, I think we really should do this. And we sat down, had a few meetings, and... They said, okay, let's let's tag on Megan Reck. Let's, let's tag on a few people. And then that started the this formation of the committee. And once we got the committee, people had experience creating conferences like this. So that was kind of the, the start of it.
0: And so it really sounded like, like of course, you spearheaded the idea, but you brought an awesome team on board that really helped with
1: some of the things that right you we, you and the group probably just didn't know about at the time. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And that's the biggest thing. It's like, I, I don't know how to, that's the first thing I said, I don't know how to do this. But I would do anything to do this.
0: <laughs> wait, 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 wait! People are listening. Wait, you don't know everything.
1: <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> that's the, the, the my. That's, if if you want to give me a compliment about anything, I know exactly where I'm dumb at. That's that's the only thing I can possibly say.
0: <laughs> that's an important trait, right? Knowing what you don't know, right? So you mentioned working with some of the of the top. Kind of leaders in the world of pharmacy, and tell tell the listeners what that was like because um, I think it's very unique, right? If you think about SECM, yes, you're you have some critical care pharmacists planning it, but you also have physicians, APPs, nurses, and then the same thing in like the pharmacy world, right? We might have a critical care specialist, but you're also having an AM care specialist, a cardiology specialist. So, what was it like working and planning a conference that was truly by emergency medicine pharmacists
1: for emergency medicine pharmacists? Absolutely, the, the whole bias and foresting. Really caught on, and just having a group of the selfless people to dedicate their very, very valuable time was amazing. You know, I've worked with again. I've worked with Kyle Wynn. I've worked with Kyle Dewitt, Megan Wreck, um, uh, Reagan Bomb. Like again, when we start started this, these are like the, the, these are my mentors in the field. So to kind of take this approach, and I gave them all my energy. And they gave me their knowledge and experience. It was really just an invaluable situation to be in over the last two years and for these to become my colleagues and be able to build something special. It's something that I can't put a dollar amount on. I can't put anything on because it was just so phenomenal to really work with these people to build something that was bigger than all of us.
0: Yeah. And it, I mean, it really is. I, I hope, you know, for those who who are here in Austin or listening to it, they can attest. But for those who are not only virtually, right, almost I saw a Zoom link, almost 200 people virtually. Right. And that doesn't even include we'll get to, you know, the post, the the people who can register post. So this is a big deal. Right. People hear that number and it's like, well, that OK, that number doesn't sound big when you think of like mid-year and things. But like we they highlighted in the in one of the first talks, there was only less than 20 EM programs
1: like PGY2s a decade ago. So Mm -hmm. this is a a large gathering in this profession. Absolutely. It's something that's special because I've went to a lot of the, if you think of a lot of the local conferences you go to, I've been to local conferences where, you know, there's 60, 70 people there. You know, we have 100 people in a room. We have 200 people online. We have, if you start looking at the people who are coming, I've tracked, we've had over 230 people virtually there. So I think looking at that, it's really a big deal for us. And this is just the beginning. And I think if this is the start of this, I'm very excited what the future holds.
0: Well, the ball is rolling. Now, I mentioned it kind of started with a text. How long has this been actually like percolating in your mind a little bit? Because I know if you're like me, you had been thinking about it long before you actually sent that text to the people because you had been trying to create a plan in your mind is what I'm assuming.
1: Absolutely. And that's the that's one of the biggest things I I can say that I'm, I'm always a dreamer. <laughs> and anyone listen, if you, if you dream about something, just having it there. And I remember, I, I will at least say since, I knew I wanted to be an ER pharmacist, you know, my P4 year, and I remember looking out and finding it very difficult to find where do ER pharmacists go, and I just couldn't answer that question, and as I got further in the, in the pharmacy, and I realized at PGY2, there really wasn't a place for us, and since PGY2, when I was at Grady with, with John Paka, I remember mentioning, like, hey, I wish there was some place we can go to present research, to talk to people who do stuff like us, and he said, it's really not a phenomenal place for us yet, but, you know, it's something that... You should think about. And he knew that was very. It, I, I like to create stuff. If it's not there, I'm just gonna be, I'm just gonna do it. So he's like, you should think about that. And I think since like you know 2017, 2018, I've been thinking about this, and it just started to all come together as the other platforms grew, and I had the credibility. That was the the, the biggest thing, making sure I had the right time and presence to be able to promote something like this, and people will come.
0: So is this, you know, you're, you're involved in so many things. Would you say when you first started all of this, that this was your initial thought, like that you wanted to work towards setting something up or did it eventually like you wanted to start the podcast and then things kind of went from there or how do like, do you, is there a, is there a primary focus kind of with all of those, you know, awesome initiatives that you're doing for the world of, of pharmacy learners and emergency medicine?
1: Yeah. I think the biggest thing, man, is just to provide high quality education for people. And, and provide that education by us. Provide that education for the things that we really that really matter to us. And I start and as I got deeper into doing this, the first thing started was my blog, Pharmacy Friday Pearls. That was the first thing. And it was just a handout, a front and back handout that I talked to the physicians for for five minutes. And that one SAEMs got talent in in 2020. And then I started thinking, hey, we could do more. And eventually, it got to the point where I felt like we need to have something that we can do more stuff like this for us.
0: I mean that's just clearly taking a taking a leap right because that that sheet not to downplay it it's amazing but there are probably a lot of people who produce that for like in services and then that just sits in your folder for years right and being able to I love it it's called double dipping when you, when you you do one thing but you're able to apply it for other things right so if you have to work hard to know all that stuff why not try to share some of that to others and probably right dispel some myths that we don't like right and mm-hmm. to help make
1: sure that, that these patients are getting what what the what the literature and evidence shows is the best care. Absolutely And that was the biggest thing it's like I would notice something and shout out to all, all the podcasts and, and all the blogs out there but I would notice certain things I was like well this is 80% right but the 20% that can be tweaked it's probably best for a for pharmacist to weigh in in those areas Again, just for our expertise Again, again, no, you know, downplaying what other people do But it's like, if if it's a performance-related thing And that's like what we do That's what we should kind of weigh in on and, and really, we try to kick the door in And kind of put ourselves in that position now
0: It's one of those, hey, if we're not invited We're going to come crash the party We're going to yeah. put our foot in And we're going to make it known Our presence is here, we're not leaving
1: Absolutely, and that's, that's part of it, man So... This is the actual, I don't, is
0: second annual the right, the right phrasing? But this is the second um, kind of iteration of the emergency medicine pharmacotherapy with resuscitation conference. So what was like the biggest change or maybe with that kind of challenge as you went, um, thinking of the, the, you know, Megan highlighted the huge success of the first one that you all did, right? It was awesome. And I'm sure from what she was saying, even with your highest expectation, it might have exceeded a little bit just from the sheer because it was your first one.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the, the first one was was amazing. I, I think that it was just uh, overall, just, it actually doubled what we expected, you know, like it literally doubled what we expected. So it was something that we just didn't anticipate. But I think to the question of the difference, like this second one was 10 times as hard because, again, we went from a virtual to an in-person and virtual, uh, making sure we get to, and then we partnered with SAM. Again, that has all type of responsibilities and, and expectations to go along with it. And just getting simple things like CE and all the contracts, making sure just everything from exactly what seating, how many seats, how many tables, how many, every detail that can be part of it, was part of. And it was just a process. And I'm happy we was able to do it.
0: This sounds like the pharmacy version of a wedding where it is just like way more complicated and way into the weeds of things that like probably matter, but you don't really care. Mm -hmm. Is is that kind of a good ex and everything's more expensive than you think, right? It is is
1: so much more (laughs) involved and it is, it it took so much to make it happen. Uh, But I think that the, one of the biggest things I I like to think about is the fact that how a lot of this occurred was going to be meeting with people weekly. And my, I want to shout out my team again here because the work that we did I would honestly say looking at it now and as we prepare for next year, we're probably going to add three times as many committee members just to meet the the work demand. So the fact that it was so much work that we was able to do and it was tons of countless nights of my my team making all of the individual details to make this thing happen.
0: Yeah, let's give let's give some of these a shout out cuz you're right. Like it's one of those like like um it may have been your thought, but if it was just you, we probably would not be here, right? So I mean, you mentioned yourself, Megan Reck Kyle DeWitt, Sean Chill Johnson, John Padka and Lance Ray, right? And the I mean, those are just a who's who of emergency medicine specialists from across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and so being able to get their input and in things too. And that's the other thing that stands out is this a lot of times you go you'll go to conferences, it's like, man, we I you know, if you it, you hear the same thing that you've heard for like nine, 10 months. Whereas like here we're actually learning new things, which, man, I love a lot of conferences, but you definitely can't say that for all of them.
1: And that's the biggest thing. We want to make it to where the position we want to take initially with this is to making it to where we have practicing pharmacists that's actually in the trenches making the entire conference you know i I love what everyone else is doing there's there's definitely a place for academia and people who don't practice as much there's definitely a place for that and i think more collaboratively and i think as we move forward that will be the case but the structure and the the culture of this conference i want to be from bedside pharmacists and i I have no better people and then my committee and if anything goes well i want to just thank them completely because they're really the muscle behind the hustle yeah,
0: that's that's amazing. Now we we talked about like the biggest change or whatever. Let the listeners know, like what was maybe not the biggest challenge, but the most unexpected challenge, the thing that took more of your time than when you started this, you would have just had no clue of the time suck of that.
1: Uh, I, I would say two big things. The big thing is sponsorships and how challenging that was to get into the, the depth and the variety of types of support. Uh, those There's those terms and what those mean and what comes with that is completely different for different institutions. So figuring that out was going to be tough. And then I, w- I would say just c- the simple thing of communicating with people. Um, when you're emailing over, you know, a couple thousand people, not realizing that half those people would never get your email. Um, yep. t- today, I s- I've sent 75 emails today. And we're
0: just so for, for the those wondering, like we're, we're recording plan. this at, at 1 PM yeah. central time. So we're, man, you're going to, you're, you're
1: definitely going to crack triple digits by dinner. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's the crazy part. Like, there's people out here that's that listen to this and it's like, Hey, I didn't get access to this. I sent the email five times. You received none of them. And my software tells me that I sent it to you. But for some reason, again, just because we're not a large organization, again, we're a team of six people. Um, just like researching us and find us. It's not the same as like finding SEM or any major organization. So that was the biggest thing. Just simple communication with people was almost impossible at times.
0: And, and let the listeners know, do you have like a, a big background in like IT or computer science to where, like, are you, would you consider yourself an expert by any means and trying to make sure a Zoom link is, is okay for online audio?
1: Oh, no, man. <laughs> I, 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 I kid you not. I have zero training in any of that. And all of it's just based off of just what, we, what we've learned over the process. And I think it's a it's testament to ED pharmacy culture. It's like, oh, you don't know something. All right, we'll just figure it out. We'll just figure it out when to go. And we'll just we'll just deal with it. So that's one of the biggest things.
0: Yeah, it would have been a survive advance. If the Zoom link wouldn't followed, we would have there would have been a Skype, so it would have been FaceTime and it would have been figured out, right? It might not have been pretty, but we would have got the link and it would have gotten done for sure. Absolutely. Um now the um the other thing, we talked about the biggest challenge or something. Now, I know you had mentioned your favorite part was working with the organizers and things. But what would you say in terms of like um, thinking of away from like your group that you're working with, what would you say was like your favorite thing with the conference? Was it the, Is it just interacting with the people? Is it picking the city? Like what, what would you say was like your
1: favorite piece and what's going to probably bring you back to keep doing this? Absolutely. I think the relationship building that happened, um, I was just, just last night, the, the, the thing that made me just make all of it worth it. Listening to someone to say like, Hey, I don't have the support where I'm from. I'm the only one. There's not an ED pharmacist within a 100 miles of me, and now I'm home. And the fact that he's been waiting months and months and months to be, be be home with other ED pharmacists that just understand him, that was amazing. Other people who've been practicing for a while, they're retired. They don't necessarily have that that level of support anymore, and they said that this is what they're looking forward to every year. And those connections and knowing that we're building those relationships, that to me means everything because – that's the thing. I, I love virtual and I love all the other components. And I like the fact that we can do both. Uh, but the fact that we can build personal relationships in person and people are looking for this for, for a, another year, that's the biggest part to me. And it's keep me coming back.
0: Well, it's real cool. I'm sure there are people that you've literally only met virtually that you're actually meeting in person here, and that's always great when you can finally put names to faces outside of email addresses.
1: Absolutely, I had to make sure I, I couldn't put the at, you know, I couldn't find their hashtag or their their Twitter handle to, to communicate with them. I actually had to like read their faces and names. So I would say 99 percent of the people that are at this conference I'm meeting for the first time in person.
0: We are we are literally meeting for the first time in person for the listeners who are curious. So yeah, it's it. it well, it's a wild time too, coming from COVID where everything was virtual but it's just nice to to get back in person but you know the other thing that stood out from this is and this is happening even in the second one man the virtual conference the like chat is actually oh, helpful people are participating cuz you highlighted how much everyone participated in the first year but that was all virtual and now still even though
1: there's a split man the chat is popping off yep. it's fire every, every single time and I tell people we had to move and they, we had to move the chat to group me just to handle the volume Again, we still have Zoom going crazy, but that's not even the, the total amount. So like, that's the huge part about this. And people are yearning for this level of communication and to just be themselves. And that's what we want to promote. So the the keynote session, I'm not going to step on too
0: much of it. We'll highlight some pieces, but we definitely want people to register and listen for themselves if they haven't heard it but it was about the progress and the future of emergency medicine pharmacy, kind of summing it up in five words. And so what do you think is so unique about the, the, the community of EM pharmacists and, and how have you kind of seen them come together? to? Because it would be very easy to plan something like this and not have two to 300 people
1: supporting and backing your, your vision and idea. Yeah, yeah that's, I, I would say that's probably one of the, the biggest you know, motivators of this. ER pharmacists are resilient. Um, ER pharmacists are, are, are just diverse in thinking. I would say that and ER pharmacists want to grow and want to develop. And that's one of the biggest things that we've gotten from this. The fact that ER pharmacy, we're, we're a young group, but we're continuing to build and we're all doing it together. And it doesn't matter, you know, some of the, what title you have. It doesn't matter. Any of those things, it matters. Basically, we're all have an end goal to progress the profession. And I think that's what I really enjoy.
0: Yeah, that spot on, I the- Can't add anything else there. Now... We had mentioned, right, we're recording this on the day that this is all happening. We're literally, I'm stealing Jimmy's lunch right now is is what's happening. So how, if the listeners, for whatever reason, drop the ball a little bit and didn't register and they're listening, they're like, oh man, this sounds awesome. What am I doing? How
1: can they, is there a way that they still can can get involved and and listen and participate? Absolutely. We know know people are, are busy. There's things going on right now. And so we now have, we have a home study session that's available actually right now that they can get access to get that, and then w- once we get done editing all of this and getting the CE codes cleaned up, they will have access to that moving forward. So, again, we're going to record everything. Uh, we're going to do the best we can to get all the sessions going to be there, but I think we'll get everything set for them to be able to re- review this, review the slides, review all the content we have here so they can go back and look at it for forever and get the CE credit they need for it. And I think that's the, the biggest thing. that We want to make sure we capture this moment and make sure that people are able to get this later on. And and so for the listener, is that can they register at the website yeah. empowerrx conferencecom dot com? Absolutely, it's gonna be the first thing up there. You, you go there and it's gonna be able to see the home study product, and it's pretty easy to get. We'll send you an email. Okay, last
0: question. So we
1: these
0: these uh, presentations have been awesome and unique. What is your
1: favorite? Ooh, man, that's tough. That's tough. I I think so far I want to say the debate. Yeah, uh, I think only because I like the, the debate structure, and that's something we really emphasized this year. And I think looking at how much goes into some of these decisions between PCC and and that, I think that was big. And just knowing that there's a lot of emotion behind <laughs> those decisions, and I I just enjoy that part. The entire conference is going to be great, and we have phenomenal speakers. But I think the the, the, the the one thing I wanted to add to the conference was a lot more debate and just making sure anything that can kind of frazzle people but I would say second to that is going to be frank in in all of his his nature. So again, I'm I'm happy we recorded everything so people will get get, get a whole dose of Frank. But so anything that he does is going to be there. So he's going to be here until going to be here until he, he passes or iPad whatever's going to be the case. He's going to be here forever. So if you guys love yourself from Frank, uh, he's going to be here for quite a while.
0: It was amazing. I did feel personally called out when he was talking trash about the critically care-trained pharmacists <laughs> who are working in the ED. Uh, I felt shots fired, but I was not alone there. But no, he's a blast. It was awesome. So, Jimmy, where can the, list, where can the listeners find you? What are all the different spots so they can, they can uh, look and, and take in all the great content and education that you're providing?
1: Absolutely. I think the easiest way to find me is on Twitter at PharmD underscore in the ED. And uh, all of my platforms are going to be there. Uh, if you guys are interested in hearing an ED version, uh, again, we got Form So Hard podcast. And then if you're looking for a little bit more in-depth information and you want to kind of provide some type of structured learning, we're going to have Pharmacy and Acute Care University. You can find that at PharmacyAcute.com or, again, just Google Pharmacy and Acute Care University. That would be there. And then if you want to go to a cool ED conference where people are wearing jeans and, and going for a drink afterwards, again, you can always meet us at Empower conference.com and go from there.
0: Yeah, there's not a single... Uh, suit jacket. I don't see barely any, no shirts tucked in. I'm seeing just nice shoes, like casual, some Jays, Nikes all around. So uh, it's the best. I mean, I, I I've always said it. It's like the meme, the Tiger Woods and John Daly meme where Tiger Woods is the critical care pharmacist. John Daly is the ED pharmacist. They know how to have a blast and this conference is no different. Uh, Jimmy, you're. I can't imagine how busy your day is. I appreciate you taking a little bit of time and just letting the listeners know all that went into this and just how awesome it is and, and just kudos on what an awesome idea and just execution awesome work man awesome.
1: appreciate it man and everyone out there of course make sure you form so hard
0: now that was a fantastic discussion with uh Jimmy uh, into the history all that went into this conference uh but let's talk about the conference itself And it wouldn't be a conference recap episode without first reviewing the city. And this conference was in Austin, Texas, right? Eclectic is what I think of the city. It's known for live music, outdoor activities. Um, I feel like this is the type of city when you're at a conference, you're bargaining which sessions to go to. Say you have a wish list of like, I don't know, eight things over a three-day period. Kind of like, oh man, I can only squeeze five of those in because there's so much I want to do in the city itself, right? So uh, if you need a visual, uh, I'd encourage you to look at uh, Ryan Feldman's Twitter at EMPoisonFarmD. He kind of had a running photo thread of uh, all the ways Austin is superior to both uh, Orlando and the Mandalay Bay. Ryan, I agree um, on all fronts. Uh, I will have to say I gained some uh, I gained some respect for Texas and its unpredictable weather. Um, it literally had a 90 to 100% chance of rain for hours each day, literally the whole time I was there. I think it literally may have rained for one to two hours total. I mean, I thought Indiana weather was uh, ever changing, but Texas is wild. I mean, how much do I need to sell you on Austin, right? It's the best. Its slogan is keep Austin weird. So, I mean, great city, better vibes, um, shout out Josiah Smith. You know him from the Medication March Madness bracket episode, uh, but he's a very, very good friend who uh, showed me around the city, had a great time a few days before the conference. So uh, thank you to Josiah. Now, the conference was part of SAEM, the Society of Academic Emergency Medicine. Now, EmpowerRx was all day Tuesday, and the SAEM conference really kicks off their programming on Wednesday. And the SAEM annual meeting is self described as the premier event for academic emergency medicine, right? And this is from their website, and, and they are the Society of Academic Emergency Medicine, right? So it makes sense that that would be the event. Now, when you dive into the schedule, most of the content is actually focused on research and presenting clinical research. Now, I'll be working on reaching out to interview some of those featured at the conference to discuss their research. So if you are a presenter, if you know someone um, reach out, let me know. I'm gonna be going through the schedule as well. Um, but we'd like to have an episode on that. So pharmacy2 at gmail.com. Please reach out and let me know. Um, but SEM, it had a different structure than other conferences. Now that's not necessarily a bad thing. For example, um, when I registered, right, you get the you get the name badge, you get all the tickets that come with it. And I received a drink ticket for a social dodgeball event. Now, For our conference planners who are listening, right, SCCM, ACCP, Doubt Midyear, but if there are midyear folks listening, that's the networking that we are here for. We need it. Uh, But for this episode, right, for those reasons, I'll really only be focusing on highlighting the Empower RX Emergency Medicine Pharmacotherapy with Resuscitation Conference. Now, if you want to see some of the things I'm highlighting, right, the hashtag EMPRx23 it lets you follow along virtually with what was posted during the conference, right, just like with, you know, hashtag SECM 2023, for example, right? When you're doing Congress posts, it's the same thing here, right? So you can kind of see what's being posted. So if you're listening, you can pop that up on your social media and you might get a few of the posts to see visually some of the stuff that we're talking about. Um, But in the interview with Jimmy Peru, you heard him say the conference was for us and by us, and it certainly was. It was a room full of EM pharmacists at various stages in their career, from postgraduate trainees to those who have retired, and literally everywhere in between. But there were also over two hundred virtual participants from all over the country, and someone had the incredibly smart idea to start a group Me Chat so that everyone could could talk at the conference, whether you were virtual or in person. Now, some of you may be wondering, what is Group Me? Now, it's a chat um, that in my personal experience has only been used for fantasy football discussion and bachelor parties. So I had to change both my name and my picture before joining this massive group. Now, there was one unlucky emergency medicine pharmacist that forgot to change his name. Now, I won't put him on blast here uh, because I already did that in the actual chat. But I want to go on record that, you know, I did feel bad about it, so I shared with that individual um, my old group me picture and what it was before I changed it and joined the group. So I feel like it evened out a little bit, maybe, maybe not unclear. Uh, but I'm not going to mention who it is if you were in the chat or at all remotely um, involved with Empower RX. You probably know, um, but. We will leave that there. Now highlights from the group me, things I like or things to point out. So I learned a new phrase, The credit to Sebastian Alsayi. Uh Apologies, Sebastian, if I got that last name incorrect, but he created the phrase or he brought into the group me chat, eyeball body weight, EBW. Mm, that's getting stolen. What a great phrase. So good. Um, and... Uh, another a person that we gotta give a shout out in the group at Tommy Tox uh, shared the best Tox article of the day. An indigenous treatment for snake bite. Mm, you might think, hmm, that could be a lot of things. And you're correct, but I guarantee you you could have a thousand guesses, and you would not guess that this treatment that they highlighted is chicken butts. Yes, you heard that correctly. The chicken butt was applied directly to the snake bite wound, and not one chicken. Um, in this case report there were ninety-six chickens to be exact. So I think I can I could truly speak for everybody when I say uh very thankful to have Crowfab, especially our colleagues out west. Um, you know, from screenshots that have come through today, I think over seven hundred messages were sent. Um which is awesome. Like, the group me discussed everything from things the speaker said, sharing questions, article links, funny anecdotes, dealing with drug shortages, protocols on specific things, like tons more. I mean, people are literally sharing emails to try and collaborate on research ideas that started in the conference or actually in the chat itself, right? People are sharing their Twitter handles. It was such a great idea, and it was It was a a positive space in a sense that, right, I I think sometimes when you're at these conferences, you're nervous of asking questions or doing these interactions with people you may not know or people that you know because they've been involved in one way or another in emergency medicine or kind of pharmacy, um, the world itself. But, you know. There's no, there were no snarky comments. No one's putting down other people. It was such a great, t- a great way for idea sharing and collaborating. Uh, I mean, it was the most interactive discussion I've ever seen at a conference, which was uh, very, very cool. Um, and shout out to the organizers for being able to logistically keep things smooth for those both in person and virtually. I mean, we know technology can be the worst, right? Literally. And figuring out everything had to be challenging. There's only so much you can prepare for. So um, specifically, I saw Kyle DeWitt and Jimmy Pruitt. Um, They were up on stage anytime there were audio or visual issues and they got uh, fixed relatively quickly uh, each time. And yeah, shout out to Kyle who moderated uh, almost the whole kind of day, um, kind of overseeing everything, kind of making sure things went smooth in person as well. Uh, So it was, it was just an awesome job, right? We um, we've highlighted multiple times how um, it took a a village, right? To do it. And um, just a few examples of some of the people who were helping with that. Now, the conference and the talks themselves. Now I mentioned this with Jimmy, but the talks were great. Um, awesome content. And the speakers you'll notice are the cream of the crop. And I just want to point that out in case you're a little less familiar with some of the EM pharmacists more and maybe the crit care world. Um, you know, this is a, a who's who in some of these speakers. The day started off with the uh, keynote address by uh, Chris Edwards, uh, emergency medicine uh, pharmacist from Arizona, and the the talk was entitled... Innovative strategies to move emergency medicine pharmacy forward. So, first, Chris highlighted Robert Ellenboss. Now, Robert Ellenboss published a paper in 1977, which is one of the first describing a clinical pharmacist in emergency medicine. I tweeted the link out to it so um, you can find it on the Twitter at pharmacy to dose. But he discussed where EM pharmacy services started, where we are now in the future. By he, I mean Chris within this, within kind of back going into the keynote address and the discussion on the future, I thought was what was so important. And one of the things he talked about was specifically working on creating an EM pharmacist model, right? A model that can help identify needs of emergency medicine pharmacists. And this would be building based on the emergency medicine model, the EM model. And this is basically a, a statement it's endorsed by all the emergency medicine physician groups or national groups. Uh, it's released every few years. So the idea of having one of those four pharmacists is such a great idea, right? Now, Chris also highlighted an issue that uh, i discussed on the podcast, which is how to reduce redundancy in research, right? How can we have more multi-center research studies rather than individual retrospective single-center research studies? And, you know, research in general was a... a point of discussion throughout the day, because we'll get to the round tables where the, we talked about some of this stuff even a little more in detail. Um, but then he kind of discussed when you're designing studies, right? And I think a lot of us, um, the C-suite isn't necessarily as swayed by that cost avoidance data as they once were. So if you use research to either justify FTEs, create positions, etc., um, you know, if you're trying to show the effect and positive effects maybe focus on patient throughput, right? Or um, our ability to help with core measure achievement versus that soft cost avoidance um, as a way to maybe, right, um, help justify um, getting more of us, right? Pharmacists in the places that we need to be. Um, Now, after Chris spoke, there's some great discussion on ways to coordinate EM pharmacists and pharmacy services. I mean, within the world of Uh, emergency medicine pharmacy specifically, right? Megan Reck highlighted the disparity of pharmacists on EM guidelines and statements and the need to get a seat at the table, right? That's what we were talking about, right? If we're not there, we're going to kick the door down. And the message was the need for unity. And based on who was involved with this discussion, I think for those emergency medicine pharmacists listening, I know there will be more to come about representation on a national level. Um, but I won't spend too much more time on this since we talked a little bit about this with Jimmy as well. But one thing I got to shout out, um, Frank Polacek. that's who uh, Jimmy was mentioning when he said Frank um, is an EM legend from Chicago. And he came to the microphone And specifically called out those gosh darn critical care pharmacists practicing in the emergency department. Uh, Frank, this is a love letter. Appreciate you letting us into your world, even if some may not be as appreciative as others. Um, But it was a very funny for... That was kind of tongue-in-cheek for those who didn't know. It was a very funny moment, Um, so it's certainly nothing. I'm not taking any of that personally. I just want to be very clear on that. Um, Now, crazy tox cases followed the keynote address, and they did not disappoint. So Megan Musselman highlighted the questionable evidence Using QRS widening to help determine severity of TCA overdose. So it was a great breakdown to help understand EKG changes, especially for me, who I I can't say that I'm an expert by any means. And the big takeaway is looking at our access deviation rather than the QRS. Uh, There was a a really funny quote on Twitter, if you're following that hashtag, there was something like, it's not not a tox talk without getting into R access EKG breakdowns, which I thought was really, really funny. Um, And Megan also discussed alternatives for treatment with the cessation of Pfizer stigmine manufacturing, right? Since it's not available anymore, what other things can we use? Gabrielle Procopio then discussed xylazine and emphasized that the toxicity isn't necessarily naloxone resistance and that giving more than naloxone may not necessarily be the answer. And then highlighted a study that shows Reddit for the win, right? It was a paper where a tox research group looked to curate information about xylazine through posts of kind of self-admitted users on Reddit. And uh, one of the notable things that stood out, one of the big conclusions, is that Xylazine appears to be an unwanted adulterant for the majority of these respondents and, or kind of users and posters. And it's not a drug that's necessarily being sought after by most. So something to keep in mind when we're, you know, thinking of, uh, helping manage and some of the social aspects of this, this isn't necessarily something that those are, are seeking out. Um, and then the case is closed out with a masterclass from Ryan Feldman. Uh, you may know him from his toxicology podcast, the poison lab. Um, I think one of the great perks of toxicology and when you go to a toxicology talk um, or when you're preparing for it is um, you typically have some amazing article titles, right? And Ryan started off his talk emphasizing how hard he was thinking about trying to find a quote unquote crazy case and he did not disappoint. He brought up multiple pictures of articles and uh, my favorite was the injection of a whole black widow spider. Now, as much as I would have enjoyed, we could just dive into that, right? Um, his talk was actually focused on bupropion overdose, Um co-ingestion management kind of went into the detail on the timeline you'd expect seizures to occur. And one big note, one thing that he emphasized that um, I'll definitely be tucking away is that tachycardia severity and duration can predict bupropion induced seizures when co-ingestion didn't occur. So don't just assume it's someone having situational anxiety because tachycardia, especially in these cases, um, can be a predictor of bad things to come a great pro con debate was up next. Uh, Brian Gilbert kind of battling Caitlin Brown, uh, in the octagon, <laughs> uh, both awesome EM pharmacists on different teams today. Uh, very different teams because Caitlin was pro index and a alpha and Brian was pro PCC. And the moment they walked in, you knew which side they were on because Brian and Caitlin literally had custom shirts, either showing love for Indexa or four factor PCC. Uh, now, it was the perfect start, however, when Caitlyn, who was defending Index in Dex and A-Alpha, had a disclosure to note after Brian didn't have any. Now, nothing to read into there, but you just couldn't have wrote the script any better that the industry sponsored kind of product, the person on that side has a disclosure. So just funny. Um, won't go too much into detail in the content itself because we've dived into all things in DEXA and PCC, right? The PCCs for, for Ds part one and two, the Annexa for rapid reaction episode, um, lots of, of info and places to go for there. But a few general thoughts. Love the movement, hashtag no clotting cascade. We do not need that picture every single anticoagulation or anticoagulation reversal talk. I also think that Brian may have said the first curse word in conference presentation history. Can't confirm or deny um, now it was in, I believe, a question, and not necessarily the full presentation. But we're gonna have to, we to check the records uh, on this, and we'll get back to the listeners on on that one. Um, now, uh, if you were listening or do listen, for the record. I told Caitlin that I was going to be pro index and a alpha that I was going to fight the good fight with her. Right. And she was fighting an uphill fight to begin with. She, she kind of raised hands at who even had index on their formulary and like three hands raised up in the beginning. And I think that's one of those where you're like, gulp, it's going to be a long day. Um, so right in her defense, I kind of asked a question that was questioning the ease of PCC dosing. Um, you know, I believe it. Right. But I thought it was a decent question and I got a text afterwards. I was like, wait, why are you asking that? That question? I thought you love PCC. So I, I want to go on record this. I, we are still team PCC pro PCC. Um, but it was a great sharing of information. And when you have to debate and like take the side of a drug you may not necessarily love, I think it gives you things to consider on both sides, which is really cool. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, Brian had pictures of his baby in there, and Caitlin didn't have her dog. And I think that's the difference. That's the only reason why, if you go on social media, you see some of the pro-PCC posts. I think that's the reason. So, Caitlin, we got to get puppies in the next presentation. Um, But an awesome job by both. Um, The pro-con debate's really cool. Um, A fun format in the conference kind of setting. Now, I had to miss the next couple of uh, educational sessions to go and get my uh, set up and kind of record uh, the interview with Jimmy. So there was... I was able to keep up because of the group me because of the chat. So it was really cool. You step away, but you still kind of know what's happening. So some fantastic discussion on um, pandemic response and lessons we learned from monkeypox with also some management pearls um, from Faisal Minaj, a pharmacist from the CDC followed by uh, two round tables where you kind of lunch and learned and they were focusing on uh, EMPGY2s and research in emergency medicine so i mean The discussion, I mean, the panelists alone, right, Mark McDowell, Caitlin Brown, Megan Reck, Megan Musselman, Ryan Feldman, Brian Gilbert, so a wealth of knowledge and a group that is very willing to help others, which I I think is so important, too, so I know this is really informative, a great discussion from those who are there, you know, within research, it's thinking about. And they talked about the issues with research in the single center studies. But not only that, when you're in a busy ED doing busy clinical bedside care, how do you incorporate research? How do you balance all that without letting patient care suffer? And then talking about strategies on how to collaborate within research um, or how to, how can sites collaborate on research in emergency medicine? I um, mean, then speaking about the EMPGY2s, right, talking about social media for recruitment pros and cons, and then, right best kind of practices for farm academic ways that we can do it and not die a slow death by farm academic evals. So a great round table, awesome way to to build in some lunch into the busy day. Um, now the post lunch talk, right? We all know this is a very important talk because you can easily lose the audience in a post nap null. And I mean, there were even Turkey sandwiches. So the trip to fan was flying. And empower rx delivered uh, Charles Foster gave an over a talk on the overview of acute burn care I mean I've never personally treated burn patients so I always love these talks I always feel like I learned so much uh key points that I'll pass along severe burn patients they might not present as acutely ill as they may become so things to keep in mind uh, the deeper the burn the less pain there is you need to use caution with IV fluids even in burn patients right I think we think of fluids and it's like oh Yep, that's the one thing we do. We crush them with fluids. That's Not necessarily, right? And then he referenced Creep by Radiohead, an all-timer song for those who are familiar with it. So, obviously, you reference that. Your talk's going to be instantly better. Um, One note, uh, the formulas to complicate fluid requirements are complicated. Uh, I'm glad I don't have to routinely calculate total body surface area. I mean feels like there was literally eight to 10 different ways to administer over various time timeframes. Um, very complicated. So uh, shout out to the awesome burn pharmacists out there, making life easier for us non-burn pharmacists. Um, and then ended with an overview on managing pain, nutritional considerations, inhalation injuries, and VTE prophylaxis. Now, the patient case is then returned in a big way. Uh, this time focusing on emergency medicine rather than toxicology. So starting off, right, in that lead-off spot, Chantrell Johnson discussed considerations with neuromuscular blocker reversal and what to do if your patient gets a much higher dose than they should, uh, Dosing is important, right? And it's one of those things that you have to ask that EMS team the dose and the time if they don't tell you. Right? If they came from the outside hospital, you might have to call them up. Um, Chantra also went into pearls about using neostigmine for reversal when it might not work, when should we maybe consider using C-Gamate-X. Um, I mean, in this case... The example she used, the patient woke up almost five hours later after receiving rocuronium. So, um, you know, patients are not textbooks and people get crazy doses. uh, They're going to have unpredictable responses. So uh, really cool considerations there. Now, Stephanie Wong followed up looking at over sedation in the ED. And it was a great leadoff quote. It's like, wait, isn't this an ICU topic? I thought this was an EM conference. (laughs) So, um, I mean... She gave the example of of new nurses, less familiarity with PADIS guidelines and high ED volume, all leading to risks of over sedation. I agree. Uh, very great points. I I thought she described some really cool non-pharmacologic interventions for agitation. Some good examples, right? Warm blankets. We know the ED is cold. Silencing alarms, even though you know we're immune to them. If it's right in your ear, that's going to make you a little agitated and uh, turning off that bright light, right, used for intubation um, right in their faces, and then emphasizing the use of uh, using uh, PRN, IV boluses, or uh, IV uh, uh, boluses from the bag rather than exclusively doing IV drips. And I agree on those fronts. Um, and then Mark McDowell finished up his case talking about uh, hormone replacement therapy in organ donation, and a talk that I thought he did a really, really great job on, considering it's a delicate topic. It's one that we're not going to talk about very much. Uh, we're going to be a little less familiar with, but I thought he uh, did a real, did it great justice talking about it um, in a way that uh, really kind of made the point that we need to be thinking about this more, um, and I need to point out that mark also had the slide of the conference a succession meme which I tweeted out uh, and if if you don't want succession what are you what are you what are we doing here <laughs> um, but Mark gave great pearls and things to consider uh, if you have a patient with a devastating injury in the ED and recognizing that there are things that we can do or implement in the ED themselves so we're in the afternoon session at this point in the speaker schedule right but these have been awesome Talks. I mean, sometimes conferences don't get this much good speakers or content on three to four days, let alone in three fourths of a day. But I digress and we continue. Now, uh, Claire Zagorski was the next speaker and going into an important topic, but one that we don't necessarily like to dive into, and it's addiction with and personnel. And I have to mention before we get into the topic itself, uh, she said she got pulled over on the way to the speech. And then also successfully avoided a ticket. So shout out, Claire. Heck yeah. Um, now, when going into this, she highlighted that the three medical professions most at risk for drug addiction. It's emergency medicine, chronic pain specialists, and anesthesia. But did note this is based on an older survey. Um, but she started with some discussion on wellness and asking the audience uh, how many of us had mandatory have had mandatory burnout or wellness modules that we've had to stay late to complete or do in our own time. And uh, not shockingly, almost the whole room raised their hand, uh, which is uh, ironic in its own way. Um but one slide she had was very funny um because she jokes that wellness should go beyond yoga and salads, right? Like a yoga deficiency is why we're unhappy. And um she used a photo uh that she described as the happy white woman eating salad and using that metaphor that, yeah, but if you just have a little salad, you just do a little yoga, everything's gonna be better. Um She, but you know, ultimately she, she came to our level and reminded us that, you know, most of us are having issues or dealing with these problems because we work in such a broken healthcare system, right? You're not, you know, you're not alone in that. And what we need to be doing is being hard on institutions and gentle on individuals, but it feels like the opposite's happening right now. And I thought it was a really great point for uh, her to end on now. When you're in the ED, at least when I'm in my adult ED, the last thing I want to see is a pediatric patient rolling in, especially one who looks like they may need immediate attention. I'm sure I'm not alone. Um, And the next speaker, uh, Heather Zilly, joined um, and spoke about highlighting pediatric clinical pearls for the non-pediatric pharmacist. So Always a timely EM topic. She hit three big points. So the first was acute agitation, right? Why is it an emergency? Why the route of administration is important, i.e. oral may have a quicker onset than IM, and why the choice of uh, the initial agent is so important initially. And there was a a great summary slide detailing the efficacy and evidence of various uh, agitation treatments. Um, and you know, she emphasized too, when, when people present with substance induced psychosis, pediatrics, adolescents, not being, not being scared to treat them, right? The argument might be, oh, they have other co-ingestion. You know, we don't, they already have something on board. We don't want to co-ingest, but the management kind of recommends benzodiazepines as first line for most of those, those things to keep in mind, arguments to make, um, and then discuss, Pediatric septic shock compared the new definitions to the old guidelines um, as well as to the adult sepsis guidelines um, and then ended her discussion on the management and recognition of non-accidental trauma in kids or basically child abuse and you know the big takeaway is you know always say something if you see something you know she pointed out that homicide's the third leading cause of death in those under nine and so even though it may be hard to hear sometimes Knowing what to look for in those circumstances could be very helpful, and and obviously make a, a really big difference if you do um, see something and are or, or put in a position to to recognize that. Um, now, uh, Gabrielle Procopio did double duty and uh, came back discussing blood pressure management in intracranial hemorrhage. So she covered guidelines, recent studies why blood pressure control is important, time to blood pressure control, data comparing nicardipine and clavidipine and much more. Um, it was a great review, uh, but we may or may not, but definitely do have an episode planned on blood pressure management in neurologic emergencies. So I won't dive too much into, into this individual discussion here, but it was a really great session um, for all those um, definitely one to listen if you get that virtual registration. Um, and the conference ended with a really powerful session entitled "Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion" DEI) putting words into action. And this panel had four speakers: right, two physicians, uh, Dr. Elliot Blum and Dr. Katrina Gibson, um, and two pharmacists, Ajuda uh, Brown and Jacinda Abdul Mutakabir. And uh, the speakers, as well as the audience members, they discussed barriers to DEI and healthcare, what we can do to implement initiatives and break down barriers, right, as well as including diversity, equity, and inclusion into research studies and projects. I mean, it was a really powerful discussion where people gave personal examples of how they're treated, and it's kind of a sober look at the reality of this right now you know, but the speakers gave a lot of strategies and resources for ways we can all work to improve this. Um, but I was you know, taken aback by the courage to share personal stories, um, of times they've been mistreated. It was really powerful. And I think it, it gave myself and the audience examples of, of how common this still is in 2023. Um, this was a really great discussion, but I, I want to talk about one point that kind of still been thinking about afterwards Um, and Jimmy Pruitt actually was discussing the ability to take off your face and truly be yourself right to not to not be a different version of yourself that you think you need to be to succeed and I hope you all reflect as much as I have been about how we can create an environment where all our learners feel comfortable being themselves uh, I mean one of the 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 huge takeaways right the learners are the future and we need to create that environment where everyone is comfortable and everyone has a seat at the table um but I mean so that talk closed closed out the kind of programming discussion and it was you know some of the best top to bottom programming I've been to at a conference um, so much timely discussion everyone learned something new I don't think you can say that every year. Um, and then the conference ended with a rooftop happy hour. Uh, and I, I have to mention, I got to meet tons of, uh, friends of the pod there in person and everyone's saying such kind words. And um, I love hearing from you all about how the podcast helps, how much you enjoy it, how you use it. Um, I hope you all know how much that means to me. Um, I appreciate it. I appreciate you all. Uh, so, so much. It, it, it made my night hundred percent. Um, and it was also Great to be around such you know well-known influential pharmacists in emergency medicine, right? The ability to network and collaborate. Uh, EM pharmacists are an absolute blast. I had fun the entire time I was down here. So just another thanks again to Jimmy Prue and everyone behind the scenes from PowerRx23. Uh, what a great idea and even more incredible execution pulling this off. Uh, so remember... You can still register. So go to that website, empowerrx.conference.com, and you'll be able to register and listen to these recordings if you couldn't make it in person. Um, so uh, reach out, remember, Twitter, Instagram, at pharmacy to dose, um, or via email, pharmacy to dose at gmail.com. Let me know what you think. And until next time, I'm Nick Peters, and this is Pharmacy to Dose, the Critical Care Podcast. QXMD builds mobile solutions that drive evidence-based care in clinical practice. So check out READ for easy access to research personalized for you. Calculate for over 500 easy-to-use decision support tools and learn to earn CME online in minutes per day. Try them today at qxmd.com slash apps. Again, that is qxmd.com slash a-p-p-s. The Critical Care PRN is dedicated to fostering the role of critical care pharmacists as essential members of the multidisciplinary patient care team. The Critical Care PRN's goal is to optimize drug therapy outcomes by promoting excellence and innovation in clinical pharmacy practice, research, and education. For more information, including how to become a member, go to critprn.accp.com. Again, that website is critprn.accp.com.